it's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm back. Welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday, everybody. I am your usual returning friendly neighborhood host, Stray Harrison, back after a couple of weeks on vacation. Um, thanks to all the emails saying, Dre, where the heck have you gone? Um, I did warn you guys I was taking a fortnight off, but uh, I am now back um, now with 100% more chesty coughs than I had before I went to America, which is a great sign that the holiday went well. Um, but uh, that's not what you're here for. You're here for Hot Takes Wednesday, of course. And with me, we got a special guest in the second chair alongside me this time around. It's not Charlie or Hannah. It's one of our latest members of the BTF1 talent roster, F1 TikToker, an all-round swell gal, Olivia Hartley. Hello, <laughs> Olivia. How are you? Hello, Dre. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Apart from the chesty cough, of course. I'm good. I'm good. Like I said, slightly ill, but um, <laughs> we will soldier on. I will try to get through this without spluttering up half of my lungs, but uh, hopefully it'll all work out okay. Now, Olivia, tell the good people out there where they can find you and uh, what you specialize in content-wise, because it's only fair we give you a plug on this show, you know? Of course, it's got to be done. So I am at the Olivia Hartley on pretty much all social media platforms, um, and I am an F1 and motorsport content creator with with a focus on statistics and data analysis. So in other words, you're a bit of a nerd like me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> perfect. You'll fit right in. Um, <laughs> we, we, we've got the perfect spot for you right here. Um, so that's going to be great. Um, again, like I said, please give her a little WTF one hot takes Wednesday bump from us. Tell, you, tell her I sent you. Uh, that would be lovely. Now, for those who are new, because as I always say, every podcast is somebody's first. Uh, you, the fine WTF one audience, send us in your takes, whether that be via Twitter, um, when we put a post out every monday morning or you can uh, dm me personally on twitter at dre underscore wtf1 or on instagram at dre wtf1 um but uh, also you can email us at contact at wtf1.com all the hot takes you send get forwarded to me i do read them in fact two emails are actually on this edition of the show so thanks for sending them in i have been keeping tabs on everything while i've been gone um so thanks for sending them all in much appreciated um so once you guys send in your takes me and our guest, in this case, the lovely Olivia, will go back and forth a little bit, discuss the take in detail, and at the end, we will give our opinion on a scale of one to five, one being that we strongly disagree with the take, and five being that we strongly agree. And Olivia has decided to play the game on hard difficulty, which means she can only use the number three once. We don't like fence sitters on this show, according to some <laughs> fans of the show. So uh, we're gonna, this is going to be interesting to see how this turns out. So... Olivia, on, on your debut, are you ready for Hot Takes Wednesday? I'm very ready. Ready as you'll ever be. So of course. let's do it. Take number one comes from Grids Gone Wild on Instagram. Grids Gone Wild, shout out to you, my friend. And they sent me a DM that said, 
Alex Pelot has a ride in F1 next year. Ah, we've got some IndyCar crossover here um, on on uh, Hot Take 20, which I do love because I do love my other motorsport series. I'm not just an F1 guy, two mm-hmm. wheels or four. So anytime you could tap into another motorsport series, I will happily endorse this notion. <laughs> so if you want, if you, I'm not saying I'm biased, but I may bump you up the waiting <laughs> list if you do so. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, but Alex Pelot has a ride in F1 next year. Now, given that you said you're a general content creator, Olivia, do you follow IndyCar at all by any chance? Have you been keeping tabs on the latest chapter of the Alex Polo contract dispute? <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't follow IndyCar closely, although I have loosely kept an eye on what's been going on recently with uh, Alex and McLaren and all of that drama. <laughs> yes, for, the, for those who don't know, maybe you maybe aren't the biggest IndyCar fans because this is a predominantly F1 network. Alex Pelot has been dominating IndyCar in North America this season. He's got a very good chance of winning the championship, a second IndyCar championship this weekend at Gateway. He's 100 plus points clear of the field. He has been absolutely ridiculous. So good that even F1 teams have allegedly been sniffing around, potentially bringing him as a, as a, as a future driver. Um, and well, he was set to join McLaren's IndyCar team because they do have a presence over there. They have a free car team of their own. Alex Rossi, you might remember him from, from his brief stay in F1 a few years ago, uh, Pado Award, um, and Felix Rosenquest. Um, so again, if you follow your multiple series, you might recognize some of those names. Polo allegedly, well, not allegedly, it's true now. He told Zach, oh, by the way, I'm not actually joining your team next year. <laughs> um, and now the latest update last week was that McLaren has now sued him um, in regards to that. So uh, if he is going to go in anywhere, it's not going to be McLaren. But, um, I mean, looking at the state of play in silly season right now, Olivia. Do it's you very think- quiet. I, yeah, I think it has yeah. to be the most unsilly, silly season I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, do, do, do you see a way that Alex Pelot gets on this grid? Because I just, I, 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 I'm, I I'm struggling. Yeah, I think he's obviously an incredible driver. I just have no idea where he would go next season. There's, there's no seats, really. I mean, McLaren are not going to move anybody. Lando no. Norris is, is Lando Norris. Oscar Piastri has been, I think, very solid as a rookie so far this season. Mm-hmm. Williams, maybe with Logan Sargent, but Williams tend to give their rookies more time. Yeah, They're I think not... they'll give them another year. And I also think that if they didn't, for whatever reason, there's obviously all those rumours about Toto Wolf wanting to push Mick for a seat which surely makes more sense as the Mercedes reserve driver who already has F1 experience. I'd be surprised if they went with anyone else, if they did drop Logan, which I don't think they'll do anyway. Indeed. And even if they did, I think they've got, they've got talented dudes in their academy beneath them. Mm. Zach O'Sullivan, Franco Colapinto is in there as well. Uh, they've got options in in their own backyard, let alone Sargent. And I, I don't like, I don't think Sargent's been great this season, but I don't think he's been bad enough for I'd say get rid yeah. of him after one year. I think that Agreed. would be a, a very harsh demotion. Then there's Alpha Tauri. Now we've like for those who don't know, or maybe don't follow IndyCar again all that strongly. Helmut Marco did try and bring in Colton Herter last year, also mm-hmm. from IndyCar, but then realized, oh, we can't bend the super license rules to accommodate the fact that when he had <laughs> Indy Lights points, they uh oh they didn't count because there was only seven cars in a series at the time. It was not very healthy, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So Dr. Marco has shown he is prepared to bring in IndyCar drivers potentially if the if the door is open. 
but their situation is messy in its own right right now with <laughs> with yeah. you know with with Daniel Ricardo now back him and Yuki Sonoda maybe potentially fighting for a Red Bull seat in the future they've got Liam Lawson in the wings I don't see where Polo fits into that is I mean is there anywhere else Olivia you're thinking because again I I agree with you I think it's going to be a very quiet silly season this year and I can't think of any other team that would move heaven and earth to bring in an IndyCar driver no the only other teams that have available seats at all uh Haas and Alfa Romeo um and I I don't think that's gonna happen I've I mean I've read articles and seen rumors that they're not interested anyway they've got fairly comfortable driver lineups they seem quite happy with and with them the problem is the car not the driver lineup I don't see why they'd be desperate to spend money to bring in a new driver I agree I think I don't think Alfa Romeo has been very good at all this year, but I don't think the drivers are the problem. I think yeah. Valtteri Bottas has proven if the car is good, he can score points. He did that quite a lot last season. Um, and Joe, I think, has genuinely been a bit better this year. Um, and I think he's a, a fair bit closer to Valtteri than he was last season. So I don't see any good reason for Alfa to, to move one of their two drivers aside. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's the last real even outside chance i would say of a team yeah. moving people aside for him and don't get me wrong as an indycar fan love alex polo incredible talent like he's 26 he's he's could have won a 500 or two or three by now he's the best driver in that series no question f1 has not proven that it's going to go out of its way to bring in an IndyCar guy like it's done in years past with people like Jacques Villeneuve or Cristiano De Matta, if I'm really rolling back the years here a little bit yeah. for, you old, for you old, some of you older fans out there. Um, but for me, I'm going to say two. I, I, I wouldn't go one on this one because I have heard that teams <laughs> are keeping tabs on the situation, but, yeah. but I, 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 I can't see him in an F1 seat next year. I think Polo will end up staying at Chip Ganassi IndyCar's team next year. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, what do you reckon, Olivia? I think I'm I'm going to go even bolder and go with a one. I just Ooh, don't okay. see it happening next year. I think the question of whether he could do well in an F1 seat is a different question. I'm sure he could, and maybe it's there at some point in the future. I just think for 2024, it's unrealistic. Yeah, so, so, so just to play off that last point, I don't think that the, it's not a lack of talent that's the problem. It's yeah. F one politics, and just I think current team setups at the moment is probably the real hurdle here. If there was two or three more dodgy seats out there, for example, if the freeze was still around now, I think there'd be an outside chance. But yeah. they got rid of the freeze after just ten races, so <laughs> that's that's unfortunate. But here we are. Take number two comes from uh, Riley Cormack off Instagram. Hi, Riley. And uh, Riley says, Ocon and Russell are the same level of driver. One is severely underrated, and that's Ocon, and the other is severely overrated, and that's Russell. Um, I love that in my original notes, I actually put Russell's being underrated, which I don't think is just true at all, but uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my poor note-taking skills there. But um, yeah, Ocon and Russell are the same level of driver. Ocon is severely underrated and George Russell is severely overrated. What do you make of this one, Olivia? Because uh, <laughs> o- Ocon's one of these people that I think tends to fly under the radar quite a bit. Like, yeah. It- is he the sort of guy that we you could conceivably see him in a top seat now? 
or in the in the near future? I don't, there's no question that he's a talented driver. He's obviously outperforming his teammate at the moment fairly significantly. I don't know if I can see him in a top seat again, just be- purely because not necessarily talent, but F1 politics. I feel like there are already so many people lined up for those top seats. I don't see where where a place there is for Ocon. And in terms of the comparison with George, I think I think it's so hard to compare them. Again, they're in very different cars with very different mm. teammates. George is working to keep up with a seven-time world champion. Ocon is competing with someone whose performance has been relatively mediocre in the past few years. Ooh, hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's not one for the Pierre Gasly fans out there. No, but, sorry, but, sorry. It's a bit I, controversial. No, no I, I, we, this is Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're wrong either, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, look, this is a tricky one, right? Because I agree. George Russell was excellent last year. First year in the Mercedes, went against Lewis Hamilton, beat him on point straight up. I think it was by 35 or something like that. Now, Hamilton, it's a pretty open secret. He was compromising some of his setups early days when Mercedes yeah. realized, oh no, this car really is a donkey this year. Um, and I think that probably factored in a little bit. Is to, and, But Russell was more than good enough in his own right. I think regardless of how you want to play that argument, He's not been as good this year. I think Hamilton has taken control of that team mm-hmm. back. Um, I think Russell is going through a bit of a rough patch at the moment. Um, just the one podium finish. I think Hamilton's had four this season. And yeah. I think Hamilton's been one of the stronger drivers in the field this year. I think he's in that uh, probably driver of the year contention status if it wasn't for Verstappen completely destroying the field this year. Um, I think him, Alonso and Hamilton have been the three best drivers in F1 this year. Um, Russell has been left behind a little bit. Ocon's interesting to me because I thought he would handle Pierre Gasly a little bit more thoroughly and he hasn't this year. Mm. Last year... I thought it was going to be very disappointing because he had Fernando Alonso as a teammate a couple of years ago when he joined Alpine when he came out of retirement, basically. And they were pretty close to first year. Second year, I think Alonso was slightly better, but Ocon held his own. And I thought, okay, if he's holding his own with Fernando, that's that's normally a pretty good sign. He and Gasly, I think, are about level so far this season. I don't think there's a huge amount between them besides maybe that Monaco podium that, that yeah. Ocon had earlier this year. I think it's a bit of an outlier. You don't normally think Alpine's going to be challenging for top three finishes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> That's true. I think their points mm. difference overstates the difference in ability at the moment, like you say, because of that one podium for Ocon. Um He's, he's, I'd say he's outperforming Pierre slightly, but yeah, like you say, not by loads. So I think to say he's miles underrated, I think most people understand that Ocon is a, a good driver. Underrated, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think Ocon's a, a good driver. I would even say he's a very good driver. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say he's a guy that you've got to make a beeline in a top seat to bring him in. Yeah. I, I think he is adequately rated i don't think he's under or over i think he's perfect right where he is i think he's a fringe mm-hmm. a, i think he's a fringe top 10 guy i think he's a, a good solid pair of hands 
He'll bring your car home most of the time, unless there's track limits involved. Um, <laughs> Austria. <clears throat> um, you know, so, like, I think Ocon, for the most part, is a perfectly adequately rated driver. I don't think it's one or the other. Yeah. George Russell, on the other hand, I- I'd like to see how the rest of this season plays out with George. I think... I mean, he, him being 50 behind Hamilton, I think is a little harsh because I think Australia mm-hmm. around where he was challenging yeah. for the win probably would have finished second or third at worst before his his power unit failed. I think that would have been worth at least 15 points. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's as bad as the point total suggests, but I also think that George has been a bit more sloppy this year. The Canada wreck leaps off the Yeah, I think that's the Monica. thing. When you look at pace, they're not, that far off Lewis is still quicker but George Russell is keeping up quite well when you look at pace alone but like Mm. you say he's just making one too many mistakes at the moment and not being quite well Mr. Consistency that he was last year that earned him that nickname yeah last year was just we was just racking up top fives left right Mm -hmm. center and this year that hasn't really worked out this uh, at this time I don't think he's overrated because I think a lot of people know he's half a step behind Hamilton. And I think yeah. that's fine. I mean, like, honestly, where Mercedes are at as a team right now, if you're 95% of what Hamilton brings to the table, that's more than enough <laughs> most yeah. of the time. Like, and that is absolutely fine. And like Hamilton's days are numbered. He's in the twilight of his career. He's going to be 39 next year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Russell is more than good enough to lead that team going forward when Hamilton inevitably hangs up the gloves. So I I don't think Russell is overrated. I don't think Ocon is underrated. I think Russell has proven he's good enough to keep pace with Hamilton. And I think that makes him a slightly better driver overall than Ocon. I think Ocon, I would love to see Ocon in a better seat to really see how good he is um, out of curiosity. But again, if you're a Ferrari, if you're a Mercedes, even if you're a McLaren, who right now on current form probably are a top two or three team, um, like you're not moving anybody aside for it. That's the general impression that I get. That's the problem. And when George was brought into Mercedes, he was very much outperforming in that Williams and Ocon at the moment is not doing the same in the Alpine. He's doing well, but he's not performing miles better than you expect the car to perform. Agreed. Agreed. So with all that in mind, I'm going to say again, I'm going to say two on this one. I don't think these are massive. I don't think this is a scorchingly disagreeable take. I think this is one where I think the barometer is slightly off, but I, I overall think that, that Russell is slightly better. I don't think Russell is severely overrated as the take suggests. And I don't think Ocon is severely underrated either. I think they're both about right is where I see it. So I'm going to say two on this one. What do you reckon, Olivia? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with the two because like you say, I don't think that Ocon is wrongly underrated. I think people, like you say, people know that he's a very good driver. They just don't think necessarily that he is a top three team driver, which I agree with. And same for Russell. I think he earned his seat in Mercedes. He's doing well enough there. And I think I don't think anyone thinks he's, you know, necessarily the next Lewis Hamilton, but he's he's holding his own. 
I, I fully agree with that. We'll be right back with the second half of Hot Takes Wednesday right after a word from our sponsor at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right person for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Even I can do it. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash wtf1 that's linkedin.com slash wtf1 to post your job for free terms and conditions apply this episode is brought to you by hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology they have tons of innovative products like venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get into take number three. And take number three comes from Brian via email. And this is a fun one, so I'll give this one a quick read. Quote, with all the talk about new F1 entrants having to bring something new to the sport and that being used as an excuse for rejecting any new team, I dare to say Haas does not bring any benefit to the sport of F1 overall. Wowie. It's an exercise <laughs> of how little spending can we get away with without any strong branding and no good track record of nurturing young talent. Give me Cadillac Andretti any day over Haas. And that's from Brian via email. And I love that he made this point in the email to, to say, brackets, and no, I'm not from the US. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Brian. Thanks for the email. That's uh, that, 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 that got a chuckle out of me when I read it. So uh, thanks, man. Um, so that's a I'm big one. Read, it's a big one. I'm not going to read the whole thing out twice, but the whole basically it boils down to Haas don't bring any value to the sport, and I'd rather have the the rumored and yeah, well, I wouldn't say rumored Andretti and Cadillac are trying to get into F1, but it seems like the sport is. Uh, you know, doing what it can to block that from happening. I mean, Olivia, what's your overall stance on potentially having more than 10 teams in F1? Um, that's, that's probably a good place to start here. Um, I think more than 10 teams would be tricky. I think you could maybe get away with one more, I think at an absolute maximum, but more than that, I think it's too many cars on the grid. You already struggle with a lot of the narrower tracks with the 20 cars that we have i don't think they can get away with much more interesting um i think 
the I think because I, I saw Toto Wolf make this argument that oh you know safety might be a concern. I know they signed the Concord agreement that allowed for up to twenty six cars. They'll they they would figure it out if they had if they if they wanted more teams on the grid. They I just don't think they want to outright come out and say we want to protect our slice of the pie financially. We don't want to split it up eleven ways or twelve ways because yeah there's three or four teams that are all vying for a future F1 entry. I know Andretti are, I know that um, high tech are, are trying to push for it as well as a couple of other places as well. So the whole overall point that has don't bring anything to the table. Um, I think that's harsh. Um, Haas are, semi-prolific in the US especially in NASCAR and that's still the most popular racing series in mm-hmm. North America it still beats IndyCar and F1 generally speaking ratings wise they've got prolific names behind them in NASCAR like Tony Stewart and Kevin Harvick who's hanging up the gloves this year like the Haas name is worth something definitely yeah um I think the Andretti name, especially with General Motors behind it, because that's the overall parent company of Cadillac, absolutely would be worth more. I have no argument against yeah. that. Definitely. The qu- think, mm, go on, go yeah, on. like you say, it's, it's harsh. It's a harsh take. I definitely see where they're coming from with Formula One specifically, particularly with the like the development of young drivers. I mean, they've just shown that by dropping someone like... Mick Schumacher in favor of someone like Nico Hulkenberg because they as a team can't afford a driver that makes mistakes and therefore they can't afford to have young developing drivers because it's inevitable Mm. at the start of their career they're going to be making mistakes. So instead they have to have drivers like Nico Hulkenberg who are very much towards the end of their career, have already showcased their maximum potential and it doesn't do much for the sport in terms of the excitement of, of new and upcoming drivers. So I see where they're coming from with that, certainly. Well, they tried last year with, with you know, the last couple of years of Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin, and it's safe to say that didn't work out. But no, um, <laughs> I mean, it for me, it depends on what you consider value because that's a very <laughs> subjective term. Um, like, what do you mean by value? Does it mean like having a brand behind you? Because obviously Cadillac is a strong brand. Andretti is a very strong and powerful racing name, has you know numerous generations of history in F1, in, in North American racing in general. If you're, again, if you're an IndyCar fan out there, everybody knows about Andretti <laughs> and their, their, their lineage over the last three generations. Uh, you know, it's... There is absolutely more value in having Andretti on the grid. Having an 11th team would be worth more, in my opinion. I think the question is, is that if you're one of the 10 current teams who are in this agreement to be in the sport right now, and they don't want their revenue to be split an 11th way by having Mm -hmm. another team on the grid, um, and therefore they're making less, like they're going to protect what's theirs. And that is an understandable argument. Do not get me wrong. But as a fan, I want to see two more drivers on the grid. I want to see an 11th team. I want to see more intrigue. Um, It's more fun for me as a fan that way. I don't think that Haas don't bring anything to the table. I just think Andretti would probably bring more because, I mean, to talk about Haas being an American influence... Haas are a British team in all but name. 
<laughs> they're based in Banbury. A lot of their team is British. I know they've got a US base of operations, but they've also mm-hmm. got ties in Maranello because of their Ferrari power units as well. It's not really an American team. And I've, I've spoken to and chatted to many American fans of F1. that they, they don't consider Haas one of their own, which yeah. I think is amazing, given we all know how patriotic the Americans can be. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... So if they're not considering Haas one of theirs, that kind of says it all, really. Um, mm. They, I mean, I think t- t- you make a point as well in the email, Brian. This is the first year that Haas are spending the full salary cap or for the full the full cost cap. So there is a point you're making here. I think there is something to it. But I also do agree that I, I would rather have an Andretti Cadillac team in there. But I just say, why not have both? Let's just have 11 teams. <laughs> Why not? Like, why not? As a fan of the sport, like, why would you not want more teams? Like, I, I don't understand why people are so like, ah, you know, got to protect the team's bread. No, just give us more teams. (laughs) It's more fun. Um, I'm going to play my Joker and say free on this one because I think there's stuff here that I agree with, and there's some stuff that I disagree with. Overall, I don't fully agree that has bring nothing to the table. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that a Cadillac Andretti partnership as an 11th team, or even as a direct replacement, because they did try to buy Alfa Romeo at one point. Um, it wouldn't be, they've tried to, they've tried the conventional way of buying a team and that didn't work either. I think that would be worth more. And I agree with that side of the text. So I'm going to say three. I don't normally say three, and this is my one for the <laughs> episode, but that's how I look at it. What do you reckon, Olivia? Um, I think I might go with a four. I am more on the side of agreeing with this one just because for a few reasons. One, as I said, driver development. I understand that point entirely because you have the other backmarker teams like Williams and like Alpha Tauri who are not bringing competitiveness in the same way that um, Haas are not, but they are developing young drivers to then ultimately pass them on to Mercedes, pass them on to Red Bull, which is valuable. Um, and I also think that there could be, certainly be value in a team spending less money and showing that they don't have to spend the the crazy amounts of money that a team like Red Bull does in order to succeed. But the problem is they're not succeeding. Um, and I do think that other teams could bring more value and more competitiveness to the sport. However, yeah, I'm not going to say I completely agree. I'm not going to say they bring nothing um, and that I don't think they could still have a place there alongside an 11th team. So that's why I'm going four instead of five. <laughs> Okay, no, I, 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 that's a valid argument. I, but that's certainly some grounded logic there. That, yeah, I, I, I could see, a, I could see a four. Definitely, I could see why you might say four on that one. Speaking of which, take number four comes from Cube Jam F One. Hi, James on Twitter, and James says McLaren's form is temporary and will drastically decline by twenty twenty four. The team's ebb and flow, and this is one of them. Someone is not high on the new McLaren narcotic. <laughs> this is um, not a McLaren fan. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's more the case of uh, I've seen this story before with McLaren. Yes, um, or it's a McLaren fan that's been so heartbroken over many years and they maybe, have no optimism left. Maybe it's one of Charlie's burner accounts. Uh, I know she's a big <laughs> McLaren fan. Maybe, maybe it's that. Um, McLaren's form is temporary and will drastically decline by 2024. The team's ebb and flow, and this is one of them. I mean, 
what have you made of, of I mean you could probably dial it back to Austria when Norris mm-hmm. had the first upgrade in his car and since then McLaren has been awesome they've been you know Norris has had a couple of podium finishes Piastri was second in the sprint in Belgium before the time break was was yeah was robbed of a real chance of another one when Carlos hit him in the, in the actual Grand Prix it, it it looks like McLaren are genuinely right back up the field again what have you made of it so far Olivia and do you think it's something that could hold I mean, it's been amazing to see from a fan perspective. I mean, fans just always want more competition, whether you're a fan of the team or not. So to see McLaren back up at the top of the field, I've really enjoyed. Um, And to see both drivers succeeding as well, like it's been so fun to see Oscar as a rookie um, doing so well. And in terms of sustainability, I just think it's so hard to predict as long as they can keep up with the development of the teams around them. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to sustain it. You know, the the regulations aren't changing that much in 2024. And they they could keep it up if they just maintain a a decent level of development. Um, But, you know, they might not be able to. Similar to Aston Martin, who were doing very well and being very, very competitive at the start of the season. And then they seem to have kind of fallen off and not quite been able to keep up with the development of of other teams. And so that didn't last very long. So I think it's quite hard to predict whether they'll be able to sustain it or not. I agree. Um, I agree with James to an extent where he says the teams ebb and flow. That is very much true. F1 is a sport of diminishing returns. I've always said that. Mm -hmm. People make discoveries all the time. I cannot remember the last time a team like McLaren made such a massive gain on one upgrade package. That was probably worth a good half second. Like the fact that they went from you know, roughly sixth or seventh best team to second or third best team virtually overnight um, mm-hmm. was incredible. I've, I can't remember the last time I've seen something like that mid-season. Um, like, that was remarkable. Not sure how long that will hold up in the long run. As you said, I think you made a very valid comparison with Aston Martin, who mm-hmm. was seventh last year, started the year second best. Fernando Alonso was ripping podiums out left, right, and centre but have kind of dropped off in the last three or four rounds now where it's like, okay, they're more like sixth, seventh, eighth, as opposed to second, third, fourth as what Fernando was was pumping out for fun to start this season. <laughs> so has Aston Martin slipped a bit as the development race has gone on? Has McLaren found form? Can they sustain that over the back half of this season? We've still got 10 races to go. Ferrari, on a good day, can still get on the podium. Charles Leclerc mm-hmm. had three of them this season already. Should have at least had four in Bahrain when his electronics failed when he was running third. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think... Part of the problem here is that the midfield is a bar fight. It's yeah. genu- it's it's genuinely one of the most interesting midfields I've seen in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. You've got McLaren that seem to be peaking at the right moment. Mercedes have probably been the most consistently third best team all year. Aston Martin's gone from second to fifth in a in a you know completely wide range. If it wasn't for Verstappen dominating, we'd be having genuine intrigue going into each weekend, thinking who's going to be second best. We just don't know. But yeah. you can't write headlines about that. It's like, who's <laughs> going to get the bronze medal this week? Will Sergio Perez botch another qualifying session? Who knows? Um, it's You can't really write about things like that. Um, I think it would take a lot for McLaren to sink from here. Like, it's... Yeah. It, 
we're already halfway through the year. Their upgrade was massive. I'm I'm not, and you also got to start thinking about when will teams start shutting it down for next year. Mm-hmm. That's another yeah, that's, development is not going to continue in the midfield at the same rate for the rest of the season. Like you say, teams will start to focus on next year. I think McLaren have, like you say, kind of peaked at the right time. They've done something right, and it's clearly working at the moment. Um, and I think the other top to midfield teams who are competing with them at the moment would also have to do something equally drastic to make it so that McLaren just completely fell off after the success we've been seeing from them the last few races. You would need two or three teams to go back past them again. You would probably Mm -hmm. need Ferrari to do it. You would probably need Aston Martin and I'd probably chuck Alpine in there as well because Alpine were definitely stronger at the start of the year compared to McLaren and now Alpine's been left by the wayside. And by the time this goes out, they might have gone through another team principal by then. Um, So (laughs) we'll have to wait and see. I don't think McLaren's going to suddenly slip back through the midfield by the end of the year. I think teams will shut it down thinking about 2024 in general, I think I think it's, it's going to be a fun game to see if McLaren can chase down Ferrari and Mercedes mm-hmm. and maybe even Aston Martin, those three teams, and whether they can maybe even pressure them into maybe putting more development into this year's car because it's tens of millions of pounds for, of prize money in that Constructors' Championship fight. It yeah. does matter um, on that. So if McLaren can put some pressure on those teams, will their rivals think about maybe working Mm -hmm. more on this year's car to keep them behind. We'll have to wait and see. It's a fascinating argument. I don't think it will happen this year, James. I'm going to say two on this one. I think McLaren will hold on to this current form. Whether they'll end up fourth or third, I'll get back to you on that towards the end of the year. But uh, I think it's certainly interesting. And I think that mid-season package has been incredible for them. So I'm going to say two. I think they'll hold on to it. What do you reckon, Olivia? I am also going to go with the two on this one, I think, for the same reasons. Um, I don't see them slipping back so drastically at this point in the season that their performance will have just tanked by by the start of 2024. Um, whether they can hold on to it throughout next season will be very fun to see. I'm optimistic. I would love to see it happen. Um, but yeah, I think certainly by the end of the season, I would like to say that their performance will will continue at that same high level. Zach, I've got a message for you. Keep at it. We need some <laughs> fun going down the stretch this year because it ain't coming out of the Red Bull camp, let me tell you. Like, so keep, keep, your, keep your foot down, Zach. That's all I say. Um, final take of the episode comes from Chad Parrish, who sent this in via email. And Chad says, the fastest lap point should be awarded even if the driver is outside the top 10. Seeing the Batmarker teams fighting over that point like starving coyotes fighting over a deer carcass... <laughs> Great explanation, by the way, Chad, I must say. Um, great eloquence. Would make the final lap of any race more exciting. Fastest, in other words, fastest lap point should be awarded even if the driver is outside the top 10. Seeing the Batmarker teams fight over that last point would make the final lap of a race more exciting. You're the stats gal, Olivia. You, I'm, I'm sure you've, you, you've got a spreadsheet of fastest laps. <laughs> now, for those who don't know, you only get the fastest lap bonus point if you finish in the top 10. Um, it's it's funny. Like Joe Guan Yu has the fastest lap this year from Bahrain, and he never got a point mm-hmm. for it. Um, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, how do you feel about the fastest lap point in general? Because I've got a strong opinion on it, and I'd like to hear what you think first. 
Okay. Um, I don't have any opposition to the fastest lap point in general. I think it adds a little bit of interesting competition towards the end of races when people push for it. I mean, mostly this season, just Max pitting for fun to go for the, <laughs> the fastest lap on the last lap because he's got the time. Um, but in general, I'm, I'm certainly not opposed to it. How do you feel? <laughs> I don't like it. I've never I've never been a fan of the fastest lap bonus point because I don't like how the big teams, if there is a big enough gap to the midfield, will just box one of their drivers for a mm. fastest lap attempt right at the end of a Grand Prix. I think it's silly. Um, like, you know, if, if when you're trying to win a race as efficiently as possible, you're not sacrif like sacrificing, you know, 25 seconds of time to get one fastest lap bonus point. I just don't like the I just don't like the optics of it. I've never been a particularly big fan of that. However, points mean prizes. So if you're going to put a point on the fastest lap, this is what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I'm not a. I see where you're coming from, Chad. I I, I see your point. <laughs> Listen, I like I like the fastest lap point as it is at the moment, or at least I'm not opposed to it because, like you say, it does it does cause people to kind of pit when they shouldn't really be pissing just because they can. However, I think aside from this season, that gap between the top 10 drivers is not usually so big that they can just go and mm. pit from the lead of the race to go for fast slap. That's not usually the case. No. But if you have a situation where all 20 drivers are competing for the fastest lap, I think that is just a recipe for complete chaos. Surely the backmarker teams would just no longer even be competing for positions at all. They'd go into race day just competing for that one point, saving as many soft tyres as they possibly can and focusing on that. I think it would take away from the racing. I, I agree. I, I, I remember when, I don't know if you remember this back in Baku when they first announced they were going to have the sprint shootout format and the, the changes to the sprint weekend. Logan Sargent pretty much gave the game away where he said in an interview, well, I'm, we're probably going to be in like 12th, 13th place. There's no point in us racing hard. It's a glorified test session for us because we have to finish eighth to get points. So, mm -hmm. And we, we we haven't got a car that's realistically capable of that at the moment. So we're just going to be going around doing laps. So what's the point? And I think <laughs> it's similar to what this is. Like most of these teams, I'd say a good four or five teams right now are not realistically going to score points in an F1 race, especially this mm -hmm. year, because I think the midfield is clearly above that bottom four. Williams, yeah. Haas, Alpha Tauri, um, I'm missing somebody. Alpha Romeo. Yeah, there you go. Um, those four teams are clearly a cut below Alpine and everybody else. Points are going to be at a premium between, <laughs> but for those four teams, because if all things being equal, those six teams are going to lock out the points in some combination or variety. I mean, Williams are seventh overall right now, and they have 11 points as a team. Mm -hmm. That's not a lot. Yeah. Um, it's very, very lopsided. I could see why you might just say, I want full chaos by having <laughs> yeah. seven or eight cars who know they have no chance of scoring, coming in with two laps to go and, and going, well, okay, sod it. Let's just go all out for one extra point. I get it. 
I think it would look silly on TV. I think yeah. I, I I I I can't get behind that. I think it, I think having to explain that it's like oh don't worry all these are all the battle markers are all just going for the fastest lap at the end. Yeah, they're doing something completely different. Don't worry it's about like, that. It's basically a, it's basically their own separate race at this point. It's like yeah. imagine having to explain that to your dad or your mum <laughs> or whoever it is saying as a or as a new fan saying oh yeah yeah they're just they're just going for the fastest lap. It's fine. Why? It's worth a point. You what? Um, yeah. it, 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 it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> um, look, if you're a fan of chaos like that... Yeah, I'm you know, we all love to. a bit of chaos every now and then. Of it's course. fun sometimes. However, like you say, I think this would just result in two completely separate races happening at once where you'd have the top 10 trying to win and trying to get positions and the rest of them just spending the whole race pitting for as many soft tyres as they could possibly find in their garage <laughs> to go for yeah, the last lap. If, uh, if anybody remembers that season two Formula E finale when it was Sebastian Bremi and Lucas Degrassi going for the fastest lap to win the championship, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. I know people <laughs> that listen will know what I'm talking about and thinking how, how, how I almost said a swear word there, how crazy that was. Um, <laughs> like, Maybe once in a while that's fine, but that would be happening every weekend and I can't yeah. get behind that. So I'm going to say two. I don't think it's a one. I get the argument. I get, especially given the way the lay of the land is in Formula One right now, you might want a bit of chaos by having the bat marker teams all going nuts for that final bonus point. But I still think one of the big teams would end up getting it anyway because their cars are faster and there's normally a big enough gap where someone in the in the top four or five can just take a free pit stop and get it anyway. But it looks good on TV, right? So <laughs> I'm going to say to Olivia, what do you reckon? I'm going to go for a strong one on this one. I can see from, from Chad's perspective why it could be fun. However, I just think it would be a recipe for disaster in practice and I personally wouldn't want to see it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I can totally see that. That'll do it for this week's episode. Olivia, tell the good people where they can find you one more time real quick. It is at the Olivia Hartley on all social media platforms. Drop me a follow. <laughs> Drop her a follow. Give her a nice little hot takes Wednesday bump from us. We'll be back next week after Zanvoort. Max Verstappen going for history, trying to tie Sebastian Vettel's all-time record of nine wins in a row. Do not start rain dancing outside your houses as we speak. Whatever you do. <laughs> we'll be back for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday next week where we break down all of that and answer some of your hot takes and our even hotter opinions. Until then, I've been Dre Harris and she's been Olivia Hartley. We'll see you next week. Take care. Sign out. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.